Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hola, como esta usted? Muy bien. Bueno. Dios le bendiga. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Hey, there's, there's more of you here than there were last week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because um, you guys are inviting people again. Because we are, we, we're growing again. We're climbing out of COVID, brovid. And it's just good to see you. Uh, we also have more people that are watching online. Uh, hello, anybody that's watching on Facebook or YouTube, uh, we're just, we're glad you're with us too. Specifically, Terry Lynch. Um, I've been told by your friends Jen and Jason Klein that uh, you've been watching online, but you're not ready for the next step to come here to church. And so they wanted me to personally invite you. And so we really would like, we'd love to have you. Please come. They said, I get commission. Well, hey, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward uh, and give an offering together. If you all would pray with me for that, that'd be lovely. Uh, God, thank you for the time of worship. Thank you for uh, bringing all of these people here today. Thank you for growing again. Thank you for just the way that you've blessed us, the way that you uh, took care of us through the pandemic. But people around us were, were having a hard time everywhere and you, you kept us afloat and we just thank you you spoil us and so uh, we're giving this offering just as a, a way to give back a portion of what you've given to us just that you would bless it and multiply it and use it for your kingdom in Jesus name amen amen all right if you're new to the whole church thing and you're like why are they giving me a fuzzy bag with sticks on it um, you're supposed to put all your money in there. Um, not all of it, but most of it. <laughs> Whatever you feel is right. Hey, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a topic today that um, I think a lot of people would say, um, "Oh, well, uh, I don't need to hear this because God loves me." Some of you would say you don't think God loves you at all. Today, we're going to talk about does God actually love me? Does God actually love me? Does he really, for real, for real, for real? For years, um, what I thought, once I became a believer uh, at about 19 years old, but for years I thought that God loved the world because I'd read that God loved the world. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That they would have eternal life. Everlasting life. Life to the full. Uh, and so it's a, for God so loved the world. And the thing was in my brain all the time, it was the world. It was most of you, but it wasn't me. Right? It was everybody else, but it wasn't me. Yeah, God loves everybody except me. I wasn't ever confident that he really loved me. Um, any of you relate to that? How could God love you with the stuff that you've done? 
with the places that you've been, with the slop that you've eaten, the things that you've said maybe, the things that you're embarrassed about yourself, the thoughts that you've had that you wish you never had that thought. How could I? I'm a good girl. How did I think that? Why did I think that? Why did I do that? And so today we're going to try to answer the question, does God really love me? Does God really love me? Uh, if you're someone who isn't sure of God's love for you, um, here's where we're going to start. It's likely because you are thinking of the wrong kind of love, the wrong kind of love. There are several types of love, many different types of love. If you read about it, there's agape love. There's one called dode love. There are types of love that are physical. But also, I love Taco Bell, right? And so they're different, different types of love. But uh, we might be leaning into the wrong type of love when we're looking for, does God love us? And so um, here's the, the first thing that I want to look at about love. Um, what a lot of us have going on is when we think about love, and who loves us and what we love, we think of a love that loves because the object is valuable. I love this. I collect ridiculous things. Um, I can get addicted to, oh, you name it. And I, I will be the best collector of that stupid thing. And then I'll get bored and I'll move on to another thing. Uh, but I love the thing, one of the things to chase are things that are more valuable than you paid for them, right? Things that are really valuable. You're on the hunt for something that's really valuable. I was uh, an eBay seller forever. I still sell stuff on eBay, and that's what you're looking for, the score. I got a gas-powered radio-controlled truck last week for $5. <laughs> a love that loves because the object is valuable. This is the most common type of love. And so you might love shoes, you might love shoes. Uh, um, okay, before I get back into this, um, a side story. Uh, do you ever have stuff happens where you feel super duper old all of a sudden? Um, today, that happened because uh, I borrowed my son's shoes. <laughs> Size 11, we are the same, we can share clothes. We're measuring him, he's like almost as tall. Freaking old. Anyways, back to this. You might have a love for shoes or, you know, bags, handbag type stuff, different kinds of outfits that you look good in, got to get to that drip. You might be in love with your car. You might have been finally to that place where you got heated seats. You know what I got in my truck? And I mean, I don't want to act like a rich person because it's not a rich truck. I have cold seats. They kill heated seats every time. Anyways, love that loves because an object is valuable to you. Um, the, the trouble with that, if you have that kind of love all the time, that you love things that are valuable, what if you don't feel valuable yourself? What if you don't feel valuable yourself? My problem was always that I never felt valuable at all. Uh, I felt like I was, I felt like I was a burden and unworthy and worthless and, um, and, and it was just hard. And so I never felt valuable 
And so I never measured up to what I thought God's standard would be. I just didn't assume that I was included in that God so loved the world part. Now, here's the, the problem with that. If you're a person who doesn't see yourself as valuable, then you cannot love yourself. If you're a person who, if I said, do you love yourself? Some of you have a knee-jerk reaction that goes, no. Some of you say, oh, of course. But if you don't have that place where you, where you believe that you're valuable, I don't believe that you can love yourself. You can pretend a bit. And so what will happen is you will go into a relationship and you will try to love another person, but you can only pretend for part of it because uh, there's this thing inside of you where if, you know where you don't value yourself because there's unforgiveness, you don't forgive yourself. You'll forgive anybody else, but you won't forgive you, right? You won't let yourself off the hook. If you won't let yourself off the hook, the thing that you're going to bring into that relationship, that marriage, that whatever it is, is you are not going to let them off the hook either because you're going to be holding them to that kind of standard and they are not allowed to mess up because you're not allowed to mess up. And it's detrimental. So there's a love that loves because an object is valuable. But here's the second one. There's a love that loves and it gives value to the object. There's a love that loves and it gives value to the object. Uh, and so take a, take a minute here and just think of your favorite childhood toy. What's your favorite one of all time? Anybody have an example? Slinky, yes. Metal Slinky? Oh, of course, yes. What's another one? A stuffed dog. What was his name or her? Ginger. Strawberry shortcake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baby doll. Teresa. Who else? What did you have? Oh, light bright. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I love it. Just those those things where you have a favorite, like it could be a favorite stuffed animal, a favorite doll, a favorite, you know, a cozy coop that you may or may not have rolled end over end down Grandma's Hill. Maybe a blanket. A lot of people, there's adults that hide blankies. Some of you are in here. I don't judge you. You can have it. But the thing is, whatever your favorite item was, whatever it was, it probably wasn't perfect, right? It probably had holes in it. It probably had rust. It probably had, like, tears in it. It probably had re-sewn back on it. it just things wrong with it. Maybe a smell. But it's my favorite. Yeah, but it smells like saliva. <laughs> but you still loved it. Maybe it was taped together. You still loved it. My favorite thing was a, a stuffed animal dog named Cujo. He was named Cujo by me after Pet Cemetery, when I was five, my family. There was nothing valuable about this dog. He was nothing special, he wasn't expensive, but he was one of the first things that I owned that I was like, this is my thing. 
It wasn't kind of any kind of collector's item or anything. He didn't do any tricks. Uh, he didn't light up. He didn't have batteries. Uh, but the thing was about that dog, somehow in all the chaos and a lot of moving and a lot of, um, a lot of scary crap and a lot of, uh, a lot of illegal things, this stuffed dog makes it through all of the chaos um, up until I'm 16 years old. And I have this dog. By this time, his ears are ripped off. Uh, he's, he's leaking bodily fluids everywhere. Um, and, I, and I threw him away, finally. And I want him back. <laughs> I don't know why I threw him away, but I wish I had Cujo back with me. Uh, and he was super valuable to me, and not because of how he looked or, uh, uh, or what anybody else thought about him or how much he cost or anything. He, uh, he was valuable to me because he was my dog. He was my stuffed animal. This is the way that God loves us. This is the way God loves us, that we are ratty rag dolls that are dirty, that have been drugged through things left outside in the rain. You brought them back in. They had that stank to them. We are rag dolls, and God looks at us, and he says, I know that they're not perfect, but they're mine. I know that they got holes in them. That one's ugly. This one's got a tear. <laughs> Flawed, we're wounded, we're broken. Some of us are ripped up. Some of us have been chewed out. Some of us have been in jail. Some of us have been in rehab. Some of us are currently in those places. Some of us are working the steps. Some of us are just trying to make it work at home. But we're, we're flawed and we're wounded and we're broken and none of that stuff is ever hidden from God. He knows about every single one of those flaws, all of your scars, all your stuff, all your junk that you keep hidden. But you are a rag doll that happened to be his favorite. You're God's rag doll. It says this in Romans 5. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. How many, how many of us thought that we had to get our act together before we ever set foot in a church? Like, I have to get it together for it. And if only we read the stinking Bible at some point, or little parts of it, or pieces, or that somebody would have told us that, no, he's not looking for people who have their act together. He's looking for sinners. He's looking for people who are screwed up. He's looking for people who don't know what they're doing. He's looking for the people who have been cast aside by the rest of the world. That God is the one who loves you with an unconditional and immeasurable love. The kind of love that doesn't look for what's worthy in an object, like how much something is worth, but that it's the kind of love that gives worth. It gives worth and it gives value to you. God's love makes you worthy says in 1 John, God is love. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's a powerful verse. Um, I think it's really powerful for the, the guy who wrote it. The guy who wrote it here is John. And this isn't um, John the disciple. This is John uh, of James and John, 
the two kind of knucklehead brothers that were not disciple material. They didn't make the cut. And so James and John, who were, you know, kind of the, they were the JV. They were, they were riding the bench a little bit, like waiting to, just put me in, Jesus. And the thing about these two is that one of the reasons maybe they didn't make the cut is because these guys were brash. They were, they were rough. They were loud. They, they said cuss words. They were fishermen. That's what fishermen do. But these guys had a reputation. And James and John, uh, you know, uh, because they were followers of Christ, you might think, are these the two gentle lambs? Are these the Bible brothers? These guys were known as the Sons of Thunder. The Sons of Thunder is the nickname given to them. They're like on Harleys with leather vests and Sons of Thunder. We get this glimpse, though, about these guys in Luke chapter 9. Luke tells us that uh, people didn't welcome Jesus. They didn't welcome Jesus in this particular part of his journey, and it was kind of in the middle of a place where he needed to go. He's, he's heading to the cross. He's on a mission, and he gets to a, a certain point, and the people don't want to welcome Jesus, and so it's going gonna, it's gonna to detour everything. The sons of thunder are there, though, and I just find this very interesting. Here's what they say in Luke 9. When the disciples, James and John, even though they weren't disciples yet, James and John saw this, that they wouldn't let Jesus in, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Uh, no. No, I don't. And so uh, throughout their whole life, this, this John, he, he didn't just start fights, he finished fights. And, you know, he, he was the dad that got kicked out of, like, little league games where you're like, what is that guy's deal? Just always finding trouble. But John ends up spending time with Jesus. And one of the things that I, I do promise you, if you are not a believer yet, if you haven't given your life over to him, the, the, time, the more time you spend with him, um, if, you, if you try to spend time with him, it's impossible to not fall in love with him. It's, it's just impossible. And so all we're ever trying to do is not force it down people's throat. We're trying to get you in the same room with Jesus because you're going to fall in love with him. He's, he's too good. And so John is spending time with Jesus and every moment of every day is walking with him. And Jesus, what, what did Jesus do? He just loved him. He just loved him. The gritty one, the one who's dropping F-bombs everywhere, the one who's, you know, he's probably spitting tobacco on the back of people's feet. Whatever. <laughs> Jesus just loved him. And I don't know exactly when it happened. I'm sure it probably took some time, but John's identity started to change it started to change because John started calling himself by a different name than a son of thunder. And it says this three times in the gospel. He changed it from a son of thunder to the one that loved Jesus or the one Jesus loved. He went back and forth. The one that Jesus loved, man, that's a bold statement, isn't it? That's a statement of like confidence. That's a statement that seems arrogant almost. 
the kingdom of God is cocky because we have an assuredness in Christ that he loves us, that he died for us, that he's waiting, like, and so it, it is, it is confident in that way. He's no longer John the hothead or John the screw-up. He's John the one that Jesus loved. And so, um, wherever you are, whatever your parents have said to you, uh, however friends have made you feel along the way, however enemies, bullies, haters have made you feel along the way, um, any of the places where you fell short and you were disappointed in yourself, upset about the things that you thought or that you said or that you did, you are the one that Jesus loves. You are the one that Jesus loves. And I know some of you are in those seats right now trying to dodge it, what I'm saying. Oh, no. He doesn't love, he loves the world, not me. I've done too much. Welcome to the club. We're the ones that Jesus loves. Here's what I want you to do. This is super, let's make it weird. You can close your eyes to make it less weird. Here's what I would love for you to say out loud. If you're ready, if you're to that place, say this. I am the one Jesus loves. God didn't uh, just shout his love from heaven down to us and say, really, I love you, I promise. He showed us his love by uh, what he did. It says the, the, the Virgin Mary gave birth to a son. They called him Jesus because he was to save his people from their sins. And sin is just where you miss the mark. Um, sometimes we latch on to different things that we call sin. And they may or, not be, may, or may not be, but our job here is not to latch on to any of them. Uh, because all of us are sinners and it doesn't matter if it's a lie or if it's murder. And we've had murderers here. I've put murderers in jail. And it doesn't matter what you've done, where you came from, who you are now. If you're one of the people who feels unworthy of God's love because you've done so many things, God loves people with a different kind of love than the love that you're used to. It's not a love that loves things because they're valuable to him. It is a love that loves because he's able to give value to the ones he loves. I'll close with Romans 8. Because this is a section where the Apostle Paul, is, he's trying to figure out his way through it. He's going through all the things because this Paul, this Paul's a murderer. Paul is Paul's bad, bad dude who has met Jesus on the road and he has given his life over and he's tried to do a 180. And he's trying to wrap his head around this love that he keeps being given because he feels like he deserves death for what he's done. He says, but the thing about Jesus' love is this, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers 
Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That what could possibly do it? Is there any way that we could be broken from it or torn away from God's love? No, there is nothing that could ever do it. And there's nothing that you could ever do to make God love you any less. But he loves you all the way up to the top. It doesn't run out. It doesn't evaporate. You are the one that Jesus loves. Let's pray. God, thank you for just the things that you've uh, shown us about what it means to just to, to receive love from you, to accept it. God, I pray that the people who are in this room right now who are just resisting that, that they're resisting that, that, that they, even, they might even know that it's true, but they don't want to give themselves that gift. Pray that you'd help them to receive the gift, that they would know and understand that unless they receive that gift, they're not going to be able to give that gift to other people, the people they love in their life. We just say, come Holy Spirit. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you that we're able to show up uh, and, and come as we are, warts and all, whatever we got. And you love us flawlessly. We praise you. We thank you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, I love you guys. Good to see you. God bless you. I hope to see you soon. Hang out. Have fun. Make a friend. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.